Hello everybody and welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. This is Brian Campion speaking to you. I'm joined of course by Chris O'Reilly and Alex Kulish, and we are just a few days away from one of the biggest weekends in handball, the Women's EHF Final Four in Budapest. Yo! How are you boys? Good. Excited. Back in Europe. Ready to go. Jet lag be damned. I'm ready for the Final Four. Alex, are you there? <laughs> I'm here. I am not jet lagged and excited for the Final Four. And we have some big news to announce. The Uninformed Humble Hour is now the official podcast partner of the Champions League, which means that we'll be bringing you some podcasts on site from the Women's EHF Final Four this weekend, as well as additional up to three podcasts coming your way for the Men's EHF Final Four on the 17th and 18th of June. Did I get those dates correct? Yes. Good man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good times. I mean, we would be talking about it anyway, so they may as well pay us to do it. But it does mean we we have a lot of content. All of us will be on site for the Men's Champions League uh, Final Four. Chris and Brian will be on site interviewing people, bringing you all the interesting ideas and thoughts that the players on site will be bringing and uh, I'm excited to provide a lot more content for these two biggest weekends of the club handball year. And I think especially you Alex you're going to be at the men's final four you're going to be center stage as kind of one of the main hosts for the Twitch show so you're going to be honing your presenting skills. Let's just say it like that. Yeah. If you are not tired of listening to me during this podcast, <laughs> I think you'll be really excited that I'll be hosting <laughs> up to eight or nine hours of live Twitch content during the EHF Final Four men's uh, tournament. So um, if you're not tired of me after that, then, you know, let's get a beer. We can be best friends because I, <laughs> I think even the two boys here will be sick of me at that stage. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun few weeks. Uh, I'm looking forward to Budapest as well. And it's going to be in the uh, the brand new MVM Arena as well, where we had the uh, Euro in January. So interesting to see just how full they can make it as well. 20,000 is a big big ask for the women's final four but uh, if any country in handball can do it it's hungry i'd say but uh, we do actually have someone very special coming up later mm. on the podcast today chris don't we we do indeed it's katrina lunda who is a multiple champion of the competition and a living legend in the sport uh, somehow is still going incredibly strong at the age of 42 between the posts for vipers and norway i had a very nice and long chat with her last month now saying as it's the first of june i spoke to her last month for the this is me series on the ehf champions league website which uh, just went live today for the public and so i think it's a, a good opportunity to 
to give you the behind the scenes audio from how we managed to to get that story. And yeah, I mean, she spoke about pretty much everything in her handballing life from growing up with her twin sister, Christina, to making it big internationally and uh, her club successes as well. She's a, a native of Christiansand, so uh, her playing for Vipers uh, and going through the ranks with them all the way to winning the Champions League last season is quite a story and uh, is a story close to her heart as well and she speaks about that we'll hear from katrina very shortly but first uh, i think we have to go through the european league finals which happened in lisbon over the weekend and i haven't seen it so on to you guys <laughs> <laughs> well it's it, it is a bit of a shame because it seems to be kind of on social media anyway well, of course, if, if you missed it, Benfica won against uh, Magdeburg in a, in a very big upset of the year. But it seems to be kind of slightly, just ever so slightly overshadowed by a goal that was scored right at the end of normal time when Alexi Borges seemed to have stepped on the line. The referees went to check it and then they deemed that it was, he didn't actually step on the line and they gave the goal and hence we went to extra time. And then Benfica went on to win it then in extra time. I initially thought it wasn't a goal. Then I thought it was a goal. Then I thought it wasn't a goal. And now again, I'm thinking, I think he might have just released it before the, or just over the line. His foot was over the line, if you know what I mean. But I'm not sure he had the pressure down in his foot. It's very, very close. It's very, very close. So I think anyone saying, oh, 100% either way, I think, uh, doesn't know what they're talking about. And that, that might be Alex. <laughs> he, he <seemed> to... <laughs> no, no. I, I, but I do want to just say that, you know, earlier in the week, uh, everyone was talking and I gushed about how I just watched the game of the year between Kielsa and Visa Plotsk. And I really think this final beat it. Um, it had unimaginable drama to an extent of that I've never seen before because there were four goals scored between the 59th minute and the 60th minute in a handball game which is really rare to see i think that's something that we complain about a little bit how it's it's a little bit easy to kill a game in handball you can just kind of pass around but in this game yeah we we had four goals including literally the last second last millisecond of the game from lexus borges um and it was a weird ending to that um, normal time where there's just a lot of confusion. Um, initially it looked like Magdeburg had won it where Weber, uh, broke through on left back and scored in the 59th minute, 57th second. Um, and for some reason the time, well, time it was called and for some reason that goal was scratched off for uh, a little while. And no one really knew, but then it was put back, which meant that Benfica had three seconds to equalize. And they ran this really interesting play where basically it was like a, an American football play where everyone just runs forward in quite random direction. And the quarterback in this sense was Kukic, who picked out Borges. And as you say, it was a very, very tight call. One interesting point is that, you know, a lot of people, when you take a shot like that, you kind of think of using your front foot as leverage to score. So that's why it would seem that Borges had stepped over a line with his front foot. But what he actually did was use his back foot to jump forward and then stabilize him with his front foot. And there was just 
an impossible amount of you know milliseconds between his release from the hand to him stepping on, on that line and you know what if we're talking about landing inside we've seen in handball that it's very generous Luke Abelow had made a career of it so uh, <laughs> I think it's fair enough to bring that game to extra time and then extra time Matthias Musche completely ruined everything for Magdeburg that is my <laughs> <laughs> critical that analysis next point <laughs> Yeah, that was my next point. Are you talking about the goal when he had a clear shot from the wing and then he decided to not shoot at the goal, but try and do an in-flight goal to the other wing and it got intercepted by one of the Benfica defenders. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Borges himself, was it? But that was just a wild decision. Very Something very Liverpool-esque about uh, Magdeburg <laughs> in that game. You know, Absolutely crushing it all season long. And then when push comes to shove, just not quite performing when the, when the pressure's on. Yeah, that... That was, I want to add another one for Matthias Muschio, which was at the end of the first half of extra time where he had a, a fast break. And for some reason, he decided to take it. He could have taken it down, taken a couple of steps, scored the goal. Uh, he was clear through, but for some reason, he decided to take it from his first step from 10 meters away from the goal and take that fast break shot, which was saved by the MVP of the final, uh, Hernandez in the goal of Benfica. But that, again, they're just, those type of decisions are the type of things that happen in extra time when players are absolutely wrecked. They're, it's not their body that's giving up, it's their mind that gives up first. And they were two dumb decisions by Matthias. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now Chris I know you said you didn't watch it but I know you did watch it the only reason you're saying you didn't watch it is because there was a new commentator and you're a bit jealous (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say where I was it was um, it was early morning on a Sunday and I was having uh, breakfast in downtown Hollywood looking at the, the group messages and I'd just like to read some of these to give you some context for someone who wasn't watching at the time <laughs> so here we go shit waiver scored only a few seconds left looks over oh wait it was overturned do you know why unclear think it steps oh it stands after all fucking hell three seconds mess fuck shit did it count <laughs> don't think so looked inside oh it's a goal extra time let's go hernandez holy moly this is mad loving it <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good summary <laughs> yeah so uh, that was that was my coverage of the game and uh, yeah, I haven't watched it yet but I, I do do think I have to uh, catch up at least before this weekend maybe on the flight over but yeah incredible for Benfica and Portuguese handball you have to give it up to them they have looked impressive all season I don't think any of us really thought that they could beat Magdeburg but here we go that's the first major European uh, mm. tournament win for a Portuguese team, apart from those couple of Challenge Cups that Sporting have won. Oh, did, did you did you get called out on Twitter for that? I did get called out. I got, I got absolutely ratioed by Rasmus Boysen, of course. You got, you got Rasmus. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think people people often. Uh, to be fair, I also read someone said it was like the first first final for a Portuguese side, uh, which ignores, of course, that 
ABC Braga were in the very first Champions League final of the HF era. So you're not the only one to uh, to diminish Portugal's handball tradition. But yes, a new era, I would say, for uh, for Portuguese club handball. All right, let's not keep them waiting any longer. Let's get straight into the Katrina Lunda interview, shall we? Let's do it. Hello, hello. Hello, good morning, Katrina. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good, good. Yeah. Oh, not too bad. Nice to be able to, to talk. And yeah, I don't know how if um, if Carolina told you much about the format. Uh, maybe I can explain it a little bit to you. Yeah, it's good that you just tell me. Yeah, so it's uh, a series that, that the European Handball Federation have been doing called This Is Me. And so it's been uh, speaking to, to current and, and past legends of the sport and, and just like basically talking about uh, moments in their life and career that uh, have shaped the person you are, both as a handball player on and off the court and really in the direction of, of what you want to talk about. The moments in, in your career and life you want to talk about is completely up to you. So maybe we can we can start a little bit chronologically and and go through like that and then maybe that'll help bring out some some thoughts but as soon as that topic comes up is there anything in particular that already jumps out to you as like yes this moment or, or this tournament or or this game or this meeting was particularly important to to shape who I am I think that uh, I for me like a person and a handball player I think uh, I cannot get out not uh, speaking about the national team and Mats also because he's like uh, shaping me uh, for a person and uh, goalkeeper and we have been together for so many years. So he have been through me for my the last lot of years and um, and of course I don't know if it's like special situations but uh, also because I'm a twin, my twin sister. Maybe a bit a bit more how how I we were raised together uh, so we can. Uh, do the sport together this is uh, yeah. quite amazing for in my point of view and maybe we can start there because both you and christina have had uh, amazing careers together twin sisters i think you were first right by by a couple of minutes i read yes yes yeah. it's important <laughs> i am the oldest okay so that that was always i guess more when you were when you were kids and teenagers you always had to bring that up yes but yep. maybe now it's not so fun to be the oldest anymore but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, talk to me about that and your early days together with Christina and how you grew up and your relationship both with and without handball in the focus. Yeah, uh, we are twin sisters and we also have one old, older sister as well. It's like uh, she's four years older than us. But we are a family that uh, we don't have uh, any big, uh, you're not a, a sports family. My, my father actually, he, I can almost say he almost hates sports so yeah. for him it was very special that uh, actually we started to to enjoy it how how we did uh, but we started maybe to play handball and we were like eight or nine it was because some some girls in the class that needed some more people on the on the team so for us we tried uh, all different sports but handball was the one that uh, really we enjoyed I think it was also because we were together and it was nicer to play something with the team instead of individual sports. So, but we also played a bit of football together. So we also enjoyed that uh, that sport. Yes, and I think that when we grew up, we are in in my city, Kristiansand. There were not so high 
sports. You know, the, when I when I was when we started to watch a bit, you know, it was uh, the third best level of handball you can have. So it was only the second division. So we didn't have any special uh, idols to watch or something like this. Uh, but we we enjoyed and we had like a good team together when we are playing for until yeah 15 years old we we understand that we were okay in our age when we start to play like this in national uh, league yeah, when you're 15 16 years old that's an interesting one because actually i, I remember hearing recently from um anya uh, hammersing eden who was saying that she thought she was amazing uh, when she was growing up until she played against other regions in the country and realized that, okay, we're actually at the bottom here. Um, and, and that inspired her in a different way. But, uh, when you, when you started to play in these, I guess, regional competitions and, and you realized that, that you're actually not too bad, did that spark something to, to think, okay, maybe this can be uh, something I do a bit more seriously because I'm interested. You're saying that in your family, you're not so sporty. So I guess the concept maybe of of ending up being professional athletes is not something that is uh, automatically thought about when you're 14, 15, 16 and playing handball. Yeah, no, no, that was never on my mind. But of course, uh, for us, like a small, small team and uh, not very popular team. And when you're playing out in a league and we see that we actually can beat some of the best, it was... Uh, like uh, something uh, new and I don't think that we I, or I often speak about we because I'm twin it's we always be like yeah. this and uh, so but I, I never had like I have to be be the best or like this I just enjoy it but of course you enjoy good when you get uh, people say ah oh, you do it good and everything when you get a good feedback but I think from that period when we start this league then it was in one way more not serious but we took it more serious but still nothing that you were thinking oh we want to play with the national team we want to be professional but it was just giving us more back so um in norway the the sports arena or the variable training they always close in the end of may and and were not open before after the summer so we know that we have to train uh, by ourselves. So in this way, it was perfect that I had always my sisters. We were really backing up each other to go and train together. And and in during the summer, we have this uh, summer place very close to the city. And actually, the father he um, he bought uh, like these uh, handball goals, uh, two two of them. So we prepared a bit like a handball field on the yeah. cabin. So uh, in this way, the <laughs> The father support us even if uh, it was on sport. <laughs> yeah, and and were you always the goalkeeper and Christina always the the backcourt player, or did you did you try different positions when you were growing up? We always have this discussion, me and Kiki. We will never find the real truth, I think, because uh, I said that I I mean the goal in the end because nobody else wanted. And she said uh, it was not that, that everybody was, and I was the lucky one. So uh, I, I don't know this discussion. We always have this one. So, But uh, I played a bit also outside, but uh, I preferred to to stay in the goal. And uh, it was also another factor in this one is that me and my sister, when we were young, we were very compatible. And um, when we were playing everything, we have to be in the same team. If not, it's like it's always uh, hard to not kick your sister when you have the chance. 
uh, when we play against each other. So it was better that uh, we just uh, play on the same team. If not, it will be too much uh, fighting. So I think it was smart that one was in the goal and one was uh, outside uh, on the field. And how, how did that work then going into the, the senior level then playing for for a women's team and eventually getting into the national team was it a case of both of you already knew when you were maybe 18 19 20 that this is this is the way you want to to push ahead with your life or or was one of you a bit more leading the way there? I think you were quite relaxed. Like my sister, she's a bit more, even more easy going than me. But in one way, we were, we know that this was what we wanted to do and we had uh, the chance to do it. But it was nothing like still that we didn't have the goal to be, to be the best one. I don't know. It's, uh, uh, we both uh, went to school to the university like this uh, when we played here in Kisanstan still. But when we decided to go abroad to to Denmark, before that we, we stopped school and said, okay, now we want to try to see if we can manage to to do it just handball for focus. And was it a case then that uh, you both wanted to, to move together, at least at that point? Was that the, it had to be the agreement? Yeah, we wanted to do it together, especially because it, it was first time we, we go abroad and uh, we think it was it's good for us both because we have different position and, and in that way we are not competing uh, for the same uh, time of playing. So I think I think that was very important for us. You can only imagine how much that helped as well when you're you're moving away for the first time and, and you have each other at the very least, uh, regardless of how it's going on, on the court that... Uh, I mean, you're spending so much time together on and off the court and you have each other's backs. You say you're very compatible there. Is there any any difficult points in that regard uh, when you're so close together all of the time? Yeah, of, of course it can be. But I think that we mostly, because we are together all the time, that we are more like, we say that we are more like a older couple together. <laughs> you, find, you find, you know, the one who is good for baking, the one who is good for cleaning, the one to take off the mail, you know, so you just go into like these different uh, routines. And uh, so in this way, we, we try to find the best way and we are really good together. We, we don't have any fights or like this, but during the years, I am the one who is more compatible than the other. She's a bit more relaxed to the stuff. Okay. Uh, what is it about Norway and sisters in particular uh, in the national team and elite handball? It's really remarkable. You think about the Merck sisters, the uh, Solbergs, the Christiansens, and the Lundas, of course. And, and yeah. that's just off the top of my head. It is quite unique in a way. You see it in odd teams, but for so many pairs of sisters, I think it's remarkable. Yeah, it is. Sometimes we are counting. We have so many twin sisters on the on the national team and during the, this long period. So it's very special. Okay, we are not the biggest country, even if we have many years and a lot of good achievements during the years. I don't know. I think maybe it's, it's easier to see each other and know who the others are because the handball society is maybe not so so big. Talk to me a little bit about uh, moving to Aalborg then in Denmark, because we spoke a little bit last year uh, before the final four and, and talking a little bit about how Vipers then was a very different club to what it is now. But then moving to Aalborg and the Danish league, which was 
perhaps at its peak in those years in terms of the the level and and the reputation uh, was it a big transition for you i mean it's not a huge geographical change or maybe culture change but handball wise no i think we me and my sister we were waited quite long before we went abroad we were 24 i think and because he wanted to make sure that we have the right choice and that we we find the the good club for us and then we were also that we felt that now we were really ready for uh, making the change and and then moving to all boys like it was amazing you know they have gigantium the big hall and they were full every every match and and in this way i i came for that's maybe different but uh, for different people but for me with so many fans they were really more supporting and you feel like who i have to really play good but it was really more like uh, uh, friends uh, playing together and the club was quite new they didn't have so many achievements yet so it was also just trying to make something bigger and and i think that's is good to be a part of that and it was also coming more um, players who were have had some good experience and i think it was a good uh, mix of, of everything and you said they were quite quite late coming to the that move abroad and, and being 24 was there a particular reason for that were you maybe a bit careful about it or you you were maybe balancing life and and handball at that point Yeah I think that we wanted to have like the I don't know we we didn't think about those like stars yet or like this but we wanted to have like when we go somewhere we want to have like a good offer what we can uh, live from and and that we can uh, earn some money so we can survive when we were there and that's why maybe we waited we were speaking about going in the year before but then we didn't think that uh, we have the right club for us so I think that uh, that was the most important for us feeling good good club and that they can uh, pay us so we didn't have to study or, or work <laughs> yeah so you knew your worth already by that point yeah in one way but still not uh, so much that we know that we want or uh, how we can say we were not used to being in the game you know about agent and everything it's a uh, it's a big world when you start to go in some of the best leagues but by that point you had already been playing for for Norway for a couple of years i think you you made your debut in in 2000 was it so you would have been about 20 years old um and the first major championship in, in 2002 uh that was the only euro final that you lost so far really uh, the rest of, i couldn't believe it when i looked at it every other final was a gold medal and there's one silver there in denmark do you do you remember much about that uh no not no. really because, <laughs> because i i didn't i didn't uh, i was not really a part of the playing team right i was i was there to to learn so uh normally i just uh, felt the seat on the tribune to watch but uh, of course it was uh, it was great to be a part of it because uh, you know like in Norway we have so many good goalkeeper traditions so to, just to be a part of it what was uh, was big you know we have so many great goalkeepers that to just be with them to learn it was from the start very a good experience was there one goalkeeper in particular that you looked up to at all because I, I noticed you said earlier that you know, growing up in Kristiansand, there wasn't necessarily any idols to look up to. But on a on a national level, was there one that really inspired you? 
Not really, to be honest. But uh, it's more that I was just not used to have like idol to watch up to into the sport. Right. But if it was something, it has to be Cecilia Legano. She was like a bit. She was have great performance even when she was young, and uh, she's a very good person. Or the other girls are also good person. But and then she was she was like a star and out in the big world. It was special. How was it then working alongside? Her with the national team, um, always intrigued with goalkeeper pairings and, mm. and 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 the team within the team. As you said there in two thousand and two or the early years, it was more for you, kind of filling filling the the squad, so to speak. How did that work for you as an, your own personality? And and when did it change for you? When did you feel like okay, now I'm actually the top dog here? I think that the the coaches do a really good job on how they make uh, the teams in in the national team, and uh, especially for me because I I was the youngest and the newest and, and less experienced. Uh, it was really how I could survive uh, because uh, we were we were three okay we were different but normally we were three goalkeepers and we always called it a team and. They say so many times that every every piece is uh, important to uh, to make it work and and for me it made me a bit like okay I can relax I'm here with the other one but okay they are still uh, the best one but I can learn from them and they are also a bit obligated to uh, also teach me something and I and I will give them my feedback of what I see for them and they can more like teach me so for me it was very good but uh, I know the, the first years I was in national team I was scared from all the older ladies there okay yeah it was I was very very I can maybe say a bit shy for them all because they they do a lot and um, it's not easy to come in this situation in this situation but uh, i know in these years in this period it's also coming a lot of other girls from uh, the 80 generation who was very strong uh, in norway and then it was easier and more easier you have people uh, more in the same age is it right then that it feels a bit like a gradual transition to being a key player for you. It's not like a, a breakthrough moment, but the way you're moved through the squad at a young age and, and given exposure that before you know it, you're playing in goal in the final. Yeah, yeah, well, for sure. Uh, the first year, people maybe were thinking, okay, who is this girl? What is she doing here? But uh, I know that the coaches, they saw a bit longer perspective on me. For sure, it has been this way. Tell me then, when was your first encounter with Mats Olsen? Uh, I don't know exactly which kind of year he was in first time, but I remember like the first time I spoke with him, he, he just started to ask me some question about how you how I'm thinking and how I'm doing. And it was a bit like, aha, I'm thinking in this special way or I'm thinking in that way. And I it's it was so good to have like somebody who just wanted to speak handball in different way, like uh, just making my mind a bit more uh, working on in what I actually did. Okay, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, uh, for example, what kind of strategy you are using against a different player? Uh, do you want them to, when I'm reading shot, for example, do I want them to shoot their favorite shot? Or, or do I want to give them to see some different place in the goal that I can cover again, for example. So like just a different type of tactic or how you can defend in the goal. And and for me, it was something that I didn't always 
think about too much. Okay, I have my style. But then he was like, okay, but you have your style, but you can also bring something uh, more. So also the the players from outside also don't can read you so good, for example, so that you're just not like players. They also don't want to have just like uh, one favorite uh, place to shoot. And I can also not uh, only have my one strategy strategy when I'm uh, playing. So so that that kind of rocked your mind a little bit in terms of how you how you yeah. think about the game. Um, yeah. uh, how, how quickly did you feel like that made an impact or, or did it take take some time to get that really into your head? No, it takes time to uh, to make uh, a lot of changes, but I think that just to have different thoughts during the training is very important for goalkeepers or for me at least. And I think this is the way that you are developing and uh, that make you curious for getting better and forgetting why I do this and why she do this. Uh, I think this is m- maybe some of the uh, the key of why I'm keep or still playing, you know, because uh, it's the the question and uh, and all what you can uh, uh, figure and uh, everything on the training still. You know, you don't understand why why. Did she score here on me now when she do this and this kind of way? This is what I, I enjoy. Yeah. So so this is, a, I guess, a regular over the years, whatever, 15, 16, 17 years with, with Mats, that you're, you're always, I guess, figuring out things together, figuring out opposition players, I guess, as well um, uh, for, for individual games. Or I guess mostly when you're working together, it's at championships. So there's not... You don't have time really to to think too much about um, opponents. Maybe one day at a time. How does the the relationship then work uh, together during these championships and uh, uh, and how you talk with each other? Yeah, I think that the, for the championship, uh, normally you you have made your form during all, all the year and all the preparing from all the other matches you have. But when we are when we are coming for the championship, we we analyze the opponent one day before if you have time or the same day and then we just see the clips together and uh, normally the goalkeeper speak and then he can come if he sees something that's uh, that we don't do but he's uh, he's very good to push and i think this is one of his what he do best that uh, he always pushes every time especially from the start his goal was to have no goals against us but okay he see that that's not possible but as less as uh, possible then. Yeah, well, I guess there's a few times where it's been close, at least for a half, uh, with some of Norway's opponents over the years. Uh, has he has he ever been, have you ever seen him 100% happy, delighted with what you've done in the game? Or is there always something? But he, I think he's more positive than the goalkeeper yeah. themselves. So okay. uh, sometimes he reads me much better than I read myself. So... And he really understand me, so he's a good uh, person who understand uh, people or can read people because he know that what he should which bottom to put on me push on me, and he know what to say and he know when I want to leave me alone if, because when I play matches I want to just be in my this uh, zone yeah we can say yeah. zone yeah. yeah and then I don't want nobody to push me or uh, to say too much. For me, if I don't search the information from uh, the goalkeepers or the coach, how has 
your working relationship developed over the years? Is he someone that you, you talk to on a regular basis outside of national team events then as well? Is he, is he just a, a confidant or, or someone that you, you're happy to talk with? It's, it's very different in what time or what I need, actually. So uh, uh, it depends, but I can contact him or I can send, please, can you watch this for me and what can I do in this situation? Often that we have, uh, we have international time, like one week in a month, like in, how you say, normally. So in this period, we we are together and then we just have like small clips or small uh, uh, messages for each other normally with so many i don't know 20 more than 20 major championships at this point with norway i think it would be cruel to kind of ask you to to rank any above the others but are there any that now that we've been talking about this and, and bringing up the past are there any that really stick out in your mind for a particular reason either good or, or bad First of all, I'm not so good to remember the year and where it is and everything because I don't know, maybe because it's it's many and because it's always something new, you know, next year and next year again. But but uh, it was in, in Hungary. Can it be in 2004? No. 2004 in Hungary, yeah. The European Championship, yeah. Yeah, this was for me, uh, I don't even remember how I played, but I just uh, remember that it was like, unbelievable good atmosphere and we have like a good with the team and it was a gold medal and uh, I think for me I don't know I don't know actually why but maybe that's from that point I got uh, good vibes from uh, from Hungary I really liked it and enjoyed it people around it the fans and uh, full arenas all the time so that was one of uh, my really favorites and that's from this first and and I also have maybe to say Olympics 2008. For me, it was a really good uh, championship. And uh, it was very special to be in the Olympics. Yeah, and it was also a very good year for me, 2008. What makes the, the Olympics so special for you as an experience? It's so very different, of course, to, to any other kind of championship. Is there something about it in particular that really attracts you? First, I was a bit like... Uh, I don't know what everybody is speaking about is Olympics, but we, when we lost the the chance for go to the Olympics in two thousand and four, and then it was really like next Olympic is really gold for a lot of people, and then uh, we have like this that it was uh, maybe more uh, you're maybe more happier and more like when you reach reach first target that you are you are possible to to be there you don't know the team yet but like every just step on the going there was was big you know and then when we start and come there and you never seen it just a big city for uh, for sports people i don't know it's different for handball we are just in the cha- championship we are just yeah uh, women in handball and now we are like uh, all uh, type of people and all type of sports so much happening and it's also you have one more day off before you play match so it's like uh, you're on focused and then you're off again it's also a bit nice to not have all focus for these uh, 14 days like in championship okay so so you felt like you could switch off and maybe enjoy the off days a little bit it wasn't it wasn't a hundred percent okay you know every day is the day before the next game 
you could you could switch off. I I learn more and more at older I get in these Olympics yeah. because from the first it was not so easy because I'm very I know that okay we are at three weeks or two weeks then I really are uh, focused and I don't I don't want to walk too much because uh, it can take energy off you and uh, and I try to be all the focus what I can can and I think I think this is a good way of me but also. You miss a lot uh, of other stuff what is happening. So uh, when I get older, I try a bit more to enjoy it. And But I don't know if this is the way that I am able to play so many years and have good results, that I am good to be focused for a long time. But we see that we experience a lot or, and we can see a lot when we traveled with handball. But we don't, we travel, yes, but we don't see too much of the culture and, the, and everything I guess the, the beauty of being able to travel with the sport, but then particularly in handball and the Olympics, for example, or every tournament, it is every second day. So uh, it's uh, it's kind of, it's brutal in that sense, right? It's always been, particularly in the last, I'd say 10, or maybe throughout your whole career, there, there always seems to be a real battle between the goalkeepers in terms of getting the positions in the squad. And I, I know that it hasn't always worked out for you as well. How do you approach that, knowing that I mean, it's very different to to the club team, where you know you have X amount of players on the contract, so you know that, particularly as a goalkeeper, you're going to be there every week. But with the national team, uh, there are so many factors deciding it. Um, what is your perspective on that? I have to say, it, it, it took me some years before I get uh, a bit more uh, not relaxed, but a bit more. Come, but also maybe because of uh, how how they work with the national team that that you are this uh, goalkeeper team that you you know that you have your your assignment is also to don't play, play good yourself is also to to make the other goalkeepers play good and for athletes it's not always uh, so easy because you really want to to play but you also don't want to play if you're not uh, good enough. Uh, and in that way, you always build each other up. But uh, it's all, always the competition. And I know, like I told before, I'm, I have this competitive gene. So uh, it's not always easy. I, I try to give everything what I can. And I think also my colleagues know this. Uh, but it always it is hard to, to don't know if you are coming for the championship. You work all year for it. But I think, yeah, you try to relax a bit more for it, and you know that okay, if I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. I have to work work harder for the next time. Was there a particular time where where that kind of clicked into you that you felt like you need to to relax a bit more, as you said? Not like a, a special situation, but I know that I have to be a bit more. I have to give. Uh, I have to give for myself. If not, I cannot expect that people other uh, don't give to me. Uh, so it's a bit more to find the, the good balance. Let's talk a little bit about your club career as well, because it's uh, it's remarkable. I mean, we talked a little bit about Denmark there, and you said back in two thousand and four that you you fell in love a little bit with with Hungary and and handball there. So was playing in Hungary and naturally enough, Jur uh, always on your radar before you moved there. Of course, yes, I told you that I was. Uh, Surprised and I was really happy, uh, happy there. In one way, it was I wanted to try something new because we were not agree with the club uh, in Viborg, and then um, and then uh, we were just thinking, but 
what to do or where to go and uh, what do I want. And and in that way, it was uh, the dream to go there, to go to you. And I know that they had different good goalkeeper, but uh, in top handball, you need to be more than just uh, one. So then was uh, that situation. And it was also, also a bit hard uh, because in in the same year or when we decide this, it was my uh, divorce from my sister. <laughs> mm. <laughs> she also uh, did something else. And in that, in that way, it was uh, quite strange to, to move uh, so far and still uh, do it for first time, first time a bit more alone than without my sister. Yeah, that, that would have been so basically 30 years uh, together, right? And then you're, you're moving across... Um, uh, did you feel that as well? Was it was it difficult off the court? Uh, yes, it was. Uh, it was because uh, when I have this uh, struggle, not struggle, but in in my mind to see what I will do next, I was thinking more maybe of myself than from both. And uh, we both had uh, uh, boyfriends, and we have to think about a bit more of. Uh, of them also. So in this period, for me, it was a bit tough. We didn't have the the best period of our, our life together. <laughs> Tell me more about Jerry. You were there for, for five years, I believe. It seemed like it was a big breakthrough for Jura as well around that time. There was a, a club that almost had this curse in terms of European records and uh, finally started to make the breakthrough there, winning Champions Leagues. And um, that must have been also in terms of not just rewarding on the court, but also I, ca- I can't even imagine the, the love that comes in from the public then. Yeah, but it's uh, it's really amazing in this way in uh, in Gear. Anyway, if you are if you are not doing the top, but when when the really happened that we finally break the curse, it was uh, unbelievable. They have really good uh, people all city and they were just really wanted us all to succeed but it was uh, we heard a lot that we never go for, that we never did it so in one way when you always hear ah we never go there we we never we never take the gold in this way or the champions league you can also fuck your brain a bit <laughs> yeah i can imagine that it seems also you know in in Vesprem, on the men's side they're still going through that i mean there still still is this this ongoing hurdle to come and they seem to have maybe relaxed themselves a little bit at least in terms of the players but the expectation is always there and, and did something change like was there a mindset change in the club where you and the players because i mean you had already there were players in the club who who had won the Champions League, you, you knew it was possible, you knew how it's done. Was that helpful in any way or was there something in particular that uh, changed? Yeah, I think maybe uh, the team were just playing a bit more uh, together. I, I just remember my first year, it was a bit hard because I was maybe the one, it was not uh, who don't speak Hungarian especially good. So uh, first uh, year was a bit struggle in my opinion, but uh, for me, and uh, but I just think that I don't know maybe a bit uh, influence from uh, that they wanted to try something more different that they don't always have to do what we always did before, but we can be open for a new change and even if even if you are almost the best. So I think it's a bit more the we were open and the, the playing was just getting better. So you managed to to get that first title in the old home and away format, but then right after that was the 
the final four format, which is basically just still a home championship as well. Can you tell me tell me more about that? Because I think that I've been to every one of them, but like from a, a juror perspective, it must be something completely different. Yeah, first of all, I want to say that uh, I prefer the old, uh, old way. I like to have like two matches against each other to to do it over two matches, but uh, this is a different story. Yeah, yeah, they are lucky, you know, we, they have it almost home in their own uh, garden, almost. Mm. You know that uh, they will be full of uh, of green and it will be a good show. And I think everybody was really looking forward to see how this will be the first time. And I think really we, it was really a, a good team and we were prepared of, uh, for the first, uh, first final four. We were... In my opinion, you're playing good. Is it hard to to kind of separate the occasion in in this kind of event? Because particularly when you have let's say ten to twelve thousand, uh, mostly Hungarians there. I don't know if it's the same like you were mentioning back in the old days in the Gigantium and Alborg, uh, where maybe the passion is a bit different as well, and the expectation and uh, the interaction with the crowd can be a bit different. Is that something that you you embrace a lot, or or do you manage to to switch off? I I always try to no matter when it's a lot of people it will always be be good it will be for me it's the best feeling ever even if they're against me or not because just to feel the passion for people around and it's not important so important if they are for me or against me uh, but just the passion give me a lot of energy and a lot of I don't know extra extra power for me I really enjoy when they can make so really good. Uh, atmosphere uh, they, when they can in big arenas when they can have a lot of people you mentioned there that you prefer the the home and away format was there was there a particular occasion there that that really makes you feel like that uh, not really but i think uh, for me like a goalkeeper i i enjoy the game uh, like the mind game you have and you have two matches against each other for for one week and i don't know i always uh, Enjoy this. This is for now in the league when you play playoff or uh, yeah everything when you have sh- uh, sh- uh, more matches in short uh, break. I think then uh, you have to use your head a bit more, be this the smart one. Yep. And I, I I like this. I always say that it's, for me it's like uh, the game in the game uh, if how we say it in original but but for me i'm i'm not my i'm not myself when i'm playing matches for me i'm acting people are okay maybe not so much now but when i were before when i was younger and more maybe yeah then people were afraid of me on the on the court and and uh, and i think that's why I'm a good person. It's not like another good person. It's <laughs> no, just, no. <laughs> it's just uh, for me, it's acting. I will do. I will not be unfair, uh, but I will do what it takes for me to to win the match. If I have to appear in some kind of way, like if I have to show that I'm happier than I am, then I I will do it. I have to sh- give energy for the team, and this is something I I'm not actually this this person like normally I don't know how to explain it they would probably say that uh, that they are a bit afraid 
They yeah. don't know what I can do, or this is the one part of the of the handball. You also have a lot of you know interaction with players as well at these championships for example when it comes to the big games you're often running into the same people uh you could have club teammates as well who uh, you then play against internationally they also know that as a person you're not you're not like that but you are you, you may be you do put on this act then on court but it, do, it doesn't make a difference though does it like it's still when it comes to the court and the games you even if people know you very well as a person, that that doesn't that doesn't get in the way of the your persona between the posts. Uh, no, I think that it's just know that when I'm when I'm in there, then I'm in different zone, and then I'm a bit different person. And uh, so, of course, in one way, it's a bit a bit a part of me. But uh, and when I get older, it's more more and more easy. But uh, but I, I think that. In I think still they don't always know what I can do. Or do you have any any particular examples of that where you, which you really enjoyed, and you know that you've gotten into players' heads, or or the game just felt incredibly simple to you? I don't know. For example, when we played, uh, I think it was Viborg, the Champions League final it was maybe against yeah. It was a lot of uh, penalty death match and a lot of energy. I just feel that. Uh, being me or being uh, how I am on the court can give the team uh, extra extra energy or power or more, of course, more saves for me. I think people don't want to shoot so often. No. <laughs> that's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. Uh, can you can you see that on the court as well? Like uh, when that's happening, do you, do you know exactly when you've gotten into to somebody's head? I mean, let's say... Pick out a player, Christina Niagu, for example, who could shoot if if they let her, she could shoot forty times in a game. But are, have there been times where you realize, okay, now she actually doesn't want to to shoot because she knows I'll be there? Yeah, but in in this way, I'm quite lucky because I have been playing uh, for okay, also for the national team with also good defense players. So it's not always my fault. <laughs> 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 I can take sometimes I think, but but of course you feel it you feel it when you have the the players in your hand. And then it's nice. Uh, and I also like to when when we play that's it's normal that we are a bit tactical. Like if we are five against six or we, if we if we are six against six also, I say, okay, you can let this player shoot. I know that I will take it. Yeah. So uh yeah, then you also you show for the defense that uh, don't worry. Okay, if it goes a goal, it's it's goal. But uh, we will try to fix it together, and this is maybe the best uh, option now. Yeah. Let's talk about your move back to Norway and to to Vipers and a reunion as well with your sister for a couple of years. What was the the driving factor behind that for you? I, I really enjoyed to being uh, out in the world. I think I have been. Blast, and I think that I'm really lucky and happy that I can have been so many t- times abroad and met so many good people. But also, when I were in in Rostov, uh, the second year was uh, really good, uh, really good. But uh, my daughter, I was thinking, okay, maybe it's better now we try to go home. And I was thinking, okay, now it will be soon the end of my career. So I think, okay to go home to Norway to see how it will be in Vipers will be a good timing now. And then uh, my sister also played uh, that season when I came and and it was unbelievable. Yeah, I think uh, 
before when we spoke about what was uh, some of the biggest thing in the in the career i think also this is one of them to come back to vipers to play with her it's like i felt like the the circle is ended but yeah. still not <laughs> and uh, it was great we had good results uh, in the club and and i again can be be a part uh, with playing with her it was amazing i think she's really she's she's crazy crazy three kids and still uh, can doing comeback and play good handball that being back together then and playing that make things seem a little bit more enjoyable in a different way that it lightened the load as well that you were back together like you were up to well was it seven eight years previously or were you just so competitive yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think that when i'm playing it, it doesn't matter because we still had the goal of trying to be the best in in norway so it was even even harder because we were not uh, going we were not or we were still in this uh, on the top together with other people so but i can more relax in this way that i i know that i have her in front of her and i i know her i know her i know what she wants i know that how she wants to pressure the players and we can speak more together we have like uh, the same type of how we want to play we can control each other more, much more than I can with other people. When you went over there, did you think reaching the heights that the club has been in the last few years was possible? No. No? No. It did was a, a dream, but no, it was really... I cannot even imagine. Like now, when you're, you're speaking about it, it's, I think it's unbelievable. Going to Final Four again, we have even had Corona and winning the Champions League, it's... Uh, no, I cannot. Uh, I can still almost not believe it. Winning the Champions League with your home club from the outside seems like you know there's nothing that compares to that. No, no, I get uh, I almost get tears in my eyes when we speak about it. But uh, for me, I can really not uh, imagine when I started to play handball here in Kristiansand. We didn't even have like the, the third best road row, and I third best. Uh, how you say it? Yeah, uh, league. league. Yeah, and uh, until now, it's uh, ah, it's unbelievable. Uh, almost exactly a year. In a couple of weeks, it'll be uh, that time. What now that a year has passed? What still remains there? What jumps out to you in your mind about that weekend? The most special I want to say is that to be able to lift the trophy. For me, this was, yeah, this was something I would never dream of doing, lifting this trophy with uh, with Vipers. Uh, of course, when you come there, but it was not even in my dreams. But I think that we really play good and we have really the good uh, uh, shape in the final four. And I think we actually had really hard, uh, rough way to the final four. We were not lucky in in which uh, we have to try go to this Europe tour. Uh, tour yeah and then we, uh, we had Rostov in the to come to the final four and uh, it cannot be more better than that like also in the last couple of years has been there's been a lot of things that's happened uh, to you and your family and also injury wise and personally but you've always seemed to bounce back and it's it's incredible how do you measure all of that how do you go back to being the handball player no, I think it's uh, quite interesting, actually, because I think that, okay, I have this 
uh, inner motivation and the and I think like the handball is just a part of my life it's a part of me so for me it's maybe more nat- unnatural to don't come back for the handball no matter what is happening like I told before I, it's it's my family also especially with the national team they have been in my life now for uh, for 20 years so of course I have very good connection to them and there I can also help getting a uh, support from uh, everything yeah and the, the last years has not not been easy a lot of stuff like injury and uh, a miscarriage for child and uh, and also my I have daughter of course is a it's not this is only positive but it's still making uh, okay now you have to do something new but I think that having the sport you know how I have it now it's it's good for her and of course I need support from uh, my family and friends to help but I think in the end that I get a lot back of handball. You said there that when you were planning on going back to Vipers in 2017 it was for the the end of your career five years later and you're still still going strong what motivates you today i just I, li- I like to be on the court and i i like to go on the training and uh and i i like the the handball life uh, I, I i like to be with the girl and i i still think that my body is fit enough that i can play and as long as i enjoy it i will continue so we will see how many more years it will be. But it's also like Mats Olsen told me, don't stop because uh, other people uh, think uh, you're getting uh, over some kind of age. Uh, because you have to, he stopped too early, he said. He regretted a bit. So uh, you have to just be ready for stopping when you, you want to do it. So that's why when I can still enjoy, when I feel that I still have something to give back, when I don't feel this, and if I don't see it, I hope people say, Katrina, now, now it's time to stop. I don't think that's anyone's going to be saying that for a while, at least based on what, uh, what we see. Is there anything else you would like to add for now on your mind or anything that's come up over the last hour that you'd like to share? I think that uh, people should not be afraid of taking chances to maybe try to play abroad to see a bit more of, of life, of other other cultures, because I think that's important for developing in uh, your life in uh, like a person. Because I am thinking, when I took some of my choices, they were maybe a bit, just to say, okay, now I go to Russia, or now I go to uh, Hungary. I always said, it's better to try something, and if you don't like it, okay, it's no problem to change later. It's better to try then then don't do it. I think it's uh, important. Thank you, Katrina Lunde. That's all from us for today. You're going to see us and hear from us a lot more over the next few days when we travel to Budapest. When are we on? Friday afternoon, right? Friday yeah. afternoon, we'll be doing a live Twitch show, which of course will be turned into a podcast and posted on all our podcasting platforms. But I would turn up and catch us live because you never know what's going to happen with us when we go live. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Tune in and find out, I say.